We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. mailbag time Vince. so let's dive into the mailbag and we've got a lot of questions here that we're going to work through we have a super chat here from nick p starting the vince special teams breakdown (laughs) so that's on you vince apparently get it going apparently john a1 asked the question and it's really not we don't really have an answer for it john because we don't we've got to see but he says does marcus freeman recognize the linebacker play as a problem I will say this. I don't think that we can know that from like Marcus Freeman's very truthful, but at the same time, he's also very good at only saying what the positives on certain things. If you listen to how he talks about the linebackers publicly, you're concerned that he doesn't see what we see, but that doesn't mean he doesn't see what we see. He's just focusing on the positive of those players because he wants to build them up. I don't know the answer to that. I hope he does. I really hope he does. I hope he sees it as a yeah. problem. I mean, I don't want to read too much into it because it is a bowl game. And generally in bowl games, you try to get more guys playing time. But there was more playing time for other linebackers in the bowl game than there was throughout the season. Sure. Is that just because it was a bowl game? Or is that because, hey, it's time to get these guys some reps? You know what I mean? So you could look at it both ways. I could I could make an argument both ways. Like if this was a, a topic in a debate, I could take both either side and sound legit and be successful. You know what I mean? So we'll see the proofs in the pudding, right? I'm, I would be lying if I said I wasn't excited to see a couple of uh, spring practices to see who's getting reps and where those reps are coming from. And I realize that's not the be all end all, but at the same time, it it might give us a peek into where they are with that position Mm -hmm. and other positions as well, but that one specifically. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's go to the next one here, and that is from John Malone. John Malone says, what have you guys heard or observed about Freeman's ability, willingness to make tough decisions regarding staff changes when needed. I mean, here's the one thing that I'll say. Nothing. He just does it. And that was kind of something that was somewhat encouraging for me last year. I was very nervous that he was going to keep Dell Alexander. Me too. Because we just kept hearing nothing. Like, we all knew Jeff Quinn was going to be gone. Like, that Correct. got leaked. Uh, but, like, Early. we didn't know what was going to happen with Mike Elston. Yeah. We didn't know what was going to happen with Dill Alexander, some other guys. It just, he just happened, right? It just, as soon as the game was over, it came out because I think Coach Freeman doesn't really tell a lot of people that kind of stuff. And so he just kind of does it. And, and so I honestly don't know. I don't know. We're just going to have to see, right? It's it, the evidence is going to be by what happens. I mean, let's see what happens when these kids get to campus and and if there's changes and we're hearing anything different, because as of right now, he hasn't done anything different, but the bowl game ended five days ago, right? Take some time to kind of think about what you're going to do and have those conversations. And you've got to get your players set up for getting back on campus, which happens in like 11, 12 days. I mean, there's a lot going on. And so the, a lot of the conversations are going to be focused on that. So Vince, I, I don't, I don't know. I just know that he just made the moves. There wasn't yeah. all this lead in and all, it just made the moves. I would prefer it be that way. I hate yeah. when there's a bunch of leaks about this guy's going to be fired. That guy, just, just make the move. Yeah. Right. And, it, and if that means that a guy took another job, just make the move. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I hope it'll be. But honestly, John, I can't tell you that, that I know comf- confidently that what he will or won't do. And that's kind of why I brought it up. Cause I haven't heard a lot about it. So either yeah. a, he doesn't think it's a problem or B he's very <laughs> good at keeping his, his opinions on that close to the yeah. best and only telling people he really trusts that aren't going to then go blab to, you know, the, the media and other people like that. So, I mean, when it comes to like people getting fired and stuff that, that should not be something that should be getting leaked out a lot in my opinion. Agreed. And Just I'm hoping it's the latter of the two as well. Yeah. Anthony Solomon says, if Jim Leonard called you and said he wanted to be the next offensive coordinator, would you make the change? 
I'm going to say something a little bit out there that a lot of people aren't going to agree with. I think Jim Leonard's a very good defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's at the top of my list of guys that I would want to bring in to replace Al Golden if that was a need. I don't even think he's the best guy in the Big Ten West that I would go after. I mean, you look at the job that Joe Rossi has done the last couple years at Minnesota since he took over. I mean, that's pretty impressive, Vince. And with all due respect, they were a better defense the last two years than Wisconsin was, if we're going to be completely honest about it. And he inherited a a defense that was pretty bad before, you know. And, uh, you know, he took over in 2019 as the defensive coordinator. In 2018, they gave up 28.9, or excuse me, 26.5 points per game. Then they were 22.5 and then 30.1. But as it kind of got more to his scheme, they were 17.3 in 2021, and they were 13.8 this past season. Um, so you look at it and say, I, he, but here's the difference. Here's my big concern about Jim Leonard. A lot of things that I've heard about Jim Leonard as a coach, doesn't like to recruit. And I cannot mm. – like, that can't that concerns the heck out of me because that tells me he's an – you know, I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. But the thing about Joe Rossi is he's also a really good defensive coordinator, but he's also a guy that will recruit. And that's my thing is I need a guy that will recruit and coach at a high level. So what if – now, if, if Al Golden leaves and they hire Jim Leonard, am I happy? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. Jim Leonard's a darn good defensive coordinator. I'm just saying if I had my choice of would he be my number one guy, probably not. But if he was the defensive coordinator under name, would I be happy? Yeah, be happy. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. Then you'd have to say he's going to rely on Marcus Freeman to be the recruiter. Okay, fine, whatever. But I just – that's kind of where I'm at with that one, Vince. So the key to what you just said, though, is if you were making a change with Al Golden. Right. Like- if, well, just because the question was asked. I mean, that's no, 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 not, no. That's what I'm saying. But like, that's the difference because he the, the question is being asked that if he called, are you just going to fire Al Golden, get rid of him for Jim Leonard? Right. That see, that would be. And if you just take the names out of it, that'd be real tough for me. If I wasn't already thinking about yeah, but, making but a I change, think that's there. the tough. Well, I think that's the thing though. Is if the Notre Dame defense was phenomenal this year, we're not asking this question. The only reason this question is getting asked is because the defense wasn't as good as it needed to be. That's I get it. that. No, I get that. Right. But. I just don't – I'm not – number one, I'm not giving that kind of power to a guy that, who just calls me up and says, I want to be there. And you're like, you, well, you I think it's just, it's, just a premise, it's just a premise of if there was interest there, would you go hire a guy? Look, I think you need to be able to make those kind of choices, Vince. I'm sorry. I think you need to. If you are a team that's trying to compete for championships and you know that you can go get a coach that is a very clear upgrade, you do it at the player level all the time. I mean, if you've got a quarterback who's a two-year starter and, you know – Let's just okay. So you love Ian Book, right? Okay, and Ian Book's all, you know all the things people say about him. Multi-year starter. All of a sudden, 2020, Mac Jones calls and says, "I want to transfer to Notre Dame." You're telling me you don't you don't say, "Yeah, okay, cool." And Ian Book gets benched. Of course, you'd make that move. Why wouldn't we do that with coaches? That's the difference. Being getting benched and getting fired are two different things. Well, but that's what you got. I mean, it's not for Ian Book. It wouldn't feel any different. Well, I'm just saying but the guy can go coach somewhere. It's else. Different to me. It's different. You guys got to go coach somewhere else. I mean, I see where you're coming from because you're coming from as a coach, and I understand all that. But that's the decision you have to make as a head coach, right? I mean, if you know, hey, I if I, I can bring in this guy, and this is going to make us a much better. But see, here's the thing: it have to be that. It can't just be a slight upgrade, right? It's got to be like you're going from this guy who's okay 
to this guy who's elite, proven elite. That's a difference. Thank you. Uh, to to for me, Vince is it's got to be that. I get that. I get that. I, I would already have to be thinking said, about making. We a said game. you've got well, but again, that's, that's, that's how it we're is only me. thinking about that. If Al Golden helped, if Al Golden's defense was ranked in the top ten this year in scoring and yards, we're not we're not having this conversation, right? So I mean, yeah, you've it's not even about thinking to make a change. You've got to be thinking that I'm not pleased with what I'm seeing. Sure. And then your thought is, okay, we're going to make these changes. We're going to do all this, but I'm not happy with what I just saw. I'm not. If you think, man, we got a great defensive situation and a guy who's a who's a, an upgrade, but not a huge upgrade, calls because here's the thing: if Jim, if Al Golden's defense was to the level of past Notre Dame defenses, I don't know how much of an upgrade Jim Leonard would be. But what we saw this year, to me, it's a pretty significant upgrade. He had a much better defense in Notre Dame this year, with not even close to the same talent, in my opinion. Now, here's the rub. Is Wisconsin really that good defensively, or is it because they play in a league with crap offenses? That's the same concern with Joe Rossi. Outside of Ohio State, was there really any good offenses in the Big Ten this sure. year? Michigan, to a degree. Penn State, sort of. You know, like, it's not a good offensive league. Now, you you have a top two offense defense in the Big 12? That tells me something. You know what I mean? Like, but in the Big 12, it's kind of like, eh, you know, I'm not sure. But to your point, Vince, if Al Golden was putting a great defense on the field, you don't feel that question. But that's not the reality, right? Of what this que- of, of of how this question is being asked. The reality of what this question being asked is that the defense wasn't as good as it should have been this year, right? Same thing on offense. I mean, if if a certain guy calls and you're like, boy, this guy, this guy's awesome. Yeah, you got to consider making that move. I, I believe that. at the coordinator level, especially I do. Next question here from John a one. If Notre Dame didn't land a transfer quarterback, could Minchie be ready to contribute six games into the season? John, that's a really hard question to answer. I haven't seen, let me see him in the spring first. I mean, this is a kid who only played half a senior year, Vince. I mean, he's very talented, but well, projecting a quarterback to be ready to play as a freshman is a very hard thing to do. Uh, just let me just see him in the spring, John. Ask me this question in May. I just I, want to I, see what he looks like in May. In, in, I, in I still spring. need a fourth quarterback, though. I still need a fourth quarterback in the room. I it, that's it, fine, regardless of whether they that's that's fine. Minchie's ready or not. Sure, that's fine. But he's saying if Notre Dame doesn't land a transfer, not that if he's ready, do you not take a transfer? Of course. But he's saying, what if they don't? What if they don't get a transfer? Can Minchie be ready to play? Is the question. It's possible. But they're going to land a transfer. Now, and I'm not saying it's – I'm not – what I'm saying is they need another body in that room because right. they can't go into the season with three quarterbacks. I yet. don't disagree, and John doesn't disagree. It's just more of looking at it from a standpoint of, but what if they don't get that guy? Because you always say, I want to do baby and C&D. But yeah, but I don't see that being a reality. Okay, but it's, it is right now, and so he asked the question, so I'm going to honor the question, right? Could he be ready by six games? That's tough. But the, the problem is, Vince, is even with the answer – it speaks to why you need another quarterback. The Absolutely. answer speaks to why you need another quarterback because I don't know if Kenny mentioned be ready by game six. And I don't necessarily want to put my championship aspirations on the shoulders of a freshman whose name is not Trevor Lawrence. Not a chance. Right. And so that's why there is the need there. And that's why it's not an ideal situation to miss on a transfer quarterback. Right. Because you have a starting quarterback and in, in, in right now in Tyler Buckner, 
who's immensely talented, but he's also played three college games as a starter, and in five years has had one full healthy season of football. One in five years. That's You can't just assume he's going to be good now. Can't. Agreed. All right, next question is Irish812. Is How beneficial do you think it was for Buckner to spend the season in the booth with Coach Reese and see plays develop through his eyes? I think it's huge. It was 100%. He yeah. was a – just from a the way he carried himself on the field during that game was completely different than it was the first game and a half that he had this year. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is attributed to the fact – that he was able to sit, listen, and learn during the games and during practice from a different point of view. He never once looked rattled to me. Not one time. Vince, let me ask you this. If you saw this the way that I saw it. Watching it from the stands, I, for the press box, I saw this. But then I also, when I went and watched the TV copy, the other day I saw it again. You look at his body language after mm-hmm. mistakes, to your point, was immensely different. When he would make mistakes against Marshall, he would kind of have this look of like, I don't know what just happened. Yes. Now, Great. that goes away with experience. He didn't get any experience. Right, right. His the experience was sitting in the booth. Bingo. Yeah. And so I think they're like, even the interception, like you, you go look at the exchange on the TV copy between him and Marcus Freeman after the third interception. He's, you, you can hear him. You can see this look on his face. Yeah, I know. I freaking, I knew what I should have done. I just didn't do it. That's the sign of a guy that won't make that mistake again. Right. Right. Because he can immediately grasp before being told by the coach what I did wrong. I don't, he didn't have those reactions against Ohio state and against Marshall. He had like this, what happened? And I think seeing the entire offense being played out, seeing how defenses react, seeing how to process reads, seeing Drew not make the right decisions, seeing Drew making the right decisions, all of it. Yep. So, so like, Tyler will see in the box what we saw. Dude, why didn't he throw that check down? Did you know wide open Audric or Tyree wasn't that play? Doesn't mean he would have seen it if he was still the quarterback. Right. But now in your head, that is there mm-hmm. in your head, which is why you watch film. Yeah, right. Because in film, you can see the big picture view and you now know, hey, I know I can't see it, but I know it's there. Right. Because I know what the call is and I see that guy. So I know if that guy's there, he can't be over here. I don't see my running back. But I know he's going to be there. The throw he made to Braden Lindsay, to me, was a great example of that, Vince. You know where he is. You know where he needs to get to. Throw the ball there. Tyler Buckner doesn't make that throw in week two. Yes. He doesn't. Agreed. I mean, think about think about the throw to Braden Lindsay he missed. It's wide open Braden Lindsay. Whiffed Again, on it. In the Marshall game. Yeah. yeah Which yeah. should have been an 80-yard touchdown. Just yes. missed it. Yep. This game, however, he's like just throwing it out there with touch, letting Braden Lindsay. Because right. what did we say? He didn't put any touch on that ball. Right. He just zinged it out there. Right. Yeah. Th- this was a kid who mentally showed a much more firm grasp of what he was seeing, even when he made mistakes in real time. Right. And that's why there's hope that, hey, eventually he starts eliminating some of those mistakes. Because that's the other big thing is he's got to eliminate those mistakes, Vince. Right. Like he just he can't keep making those same mistakes. Agreed. John A1 asks, is Al Golden always going to lean towards his two-gap tendencies? How does Coach Freeman ensure his sound, aggressive philosophy is reestablished? So what we've talked about on the show, Vince, is that Notre Dame uses defensive line too much to be gap eaters. 
even well, though they don't have the personnel for that. Yeah, they don't have the personnel for that. Yeah, and that's all. where the question comes from. So, I mean, the the you're the head coach. If that's the kind of if you if you want to let Al Golden run his defense, then that's on you. If you want him to run what you want him to run, then that's on you too. I mean, that's that's the be all end all for me. If Marcus Freeman wants something, then he doesn't need to ensure it. He just needs to tell him, like, dude, this is what we're doing. So it really just depends to me what Marcus Freeman wants this defense to be. Right. Does he want it to be a, a two gap technique team, or does he want it to be more like what he ran when he when right. he when Al Golden got the job? Marcus Freeman was very clear that he was going to let Al Golden run the defense. Right. Now he's had a year of Al Golden's defense. Does that change moving forward? Right. I think we're all interested to see the answer to that question, but the, the, how does he ensure it? He tells him to do it. Like that's mm-hmm. how you ensure it. That's how you, we talk yep. about leadership, right? You have to be a leader to your coaches. That's how you are a leader to your coaches. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also think that you mentioned something there and not Vince, uh, and there's a comment in the chat too. Is like I was not pleased with the job Al Golden did this year, but I also feel like this is also a guy that we had mentioned has not been a coordinator for a while. What kind of growing pains would there be? That's what we need to see next. Is like does he does he have the thought of okay next year we're going to keep doing the same thing and the guys will be better at it because they know the system, right? Or does he say yeah they're going to know the system better, but I also need to make sure that I'm making changes as well. That's my that's my concern because I don't know Al Golden that way. I've met him several times, you know, in the coaching stuff, and he's always been a very pleasant guy, very nice guy. I've always respected him as a person. He was not one of those guys with like big time other coaches and stuff like that. He's always a, a decent man from any interaction I've ever had with him. But as a coach, I was not pleased with the job he did this year because it it felt like too many times it was okay, the players aren't getting the job done. The scheme is sound, but the players right. aren't getting the job done. And I hope that that's something we don't see moving forward. I hope that he adapts. Is like, hey, I'm in college now. I gotta, I gotta get back to being more of a college coach. That's my mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. And that's going to really come down to what are his long term aspirations. If he wants to get back to the NFL, then he's not going to change. If he wants to stay in college, even as a head coach, then that'll change. And I think that just comes back to where his heart is. To be completely honest with you, Vince. Yes, because right? you're not going. Your goal is to get to the, a level where you need to show that complexity to get back there. Yeah. You know, that's just Mm -hmm. the reality of it. Next question, David Lowe. Man, David, you you just got to work. The lack of positivity, man, uh, is kind of sad sometimes. (laughs) What do you think is a realistic expectation for Freeman in 23, considering we play Clemson, Ohio State, and USC back-to-back weeks and then have 24 with A&M, USC, and Florida State? Number one, they don't play Clemson, Ohio State, and USC in back-to-back weeks. All right, I, I've explained this. If you look at the schedule that we put on the site, they have there's multiple Ohio State, USC, then Wake Forest, then Clemson. But there's a week in there. There's there's the U, Ohio State and USC are not back to back. They're listed back to back on the schedule now because four games will be determined. Right. They play Ohio State on September 23rd. They don't play USC till October 14th. Right. They're not going to have two bye weeks between that game. Correct. There's going to be some, but one or two teams put in between there. They play uh, USC on on the 14th of October. They don't play Clemson until November 4th. It's just that there's four games and buys that have to be inserted somewhere into the schedule. So they don't play any of those teams back to back to back. So uh, what are my expectations? Same as this year to be going in November with a chance to be a to compete for a championship. I mean. Right. 
you know, 11 and one against that schedule most likely has you with a pretty good shot to get into the playoff. The, 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 the expectations are playoff and that's realistic. I hate when people put, what are your realistic expectations as if we're going to give you an unrealistic expectation, <laughs> right? Tell you like, uh, 12 and one win by 50, every game by 50. That's the expectation. Uh... What, what other expectation would I give you, David, other than a realistic one? You may not agree with it, but that doesn't, it may be unrealistic to you, but it's how I think and feel. I'm never going to tell you guys something that I don't believe. And if I, if I do tell you something that I think should happen compared to what I think will happen, I'll tell you. I'll say, hey, look, this team should go 11 and 1, but based on A, B, C, and D, I don't think they're going to, I think 9 3 is the best they're going to do. Or when we do game predictions, Vince will say, look, this is what I think should happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but something should happen. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason for me to think that 11 and 1 is not realistic next year. Right. I mean, look, USC is the only one of those three teams that outplayed Notre Dame this year for four quarters. Notre Dame led Ohio State longer than Ohio State led Notre Dame when they Correct. played in Columbus, right? And so in Marcus Freeman's first game, and that was with C.J. Stroud and with some of the guys that they're going to be losing next year. So is Ohio State going to be really good? Yeah, they're going to be really good, but I think so is Notre Dame. They get, And the other thing, too, is they get two of those three teams at home. Right. And why is why is A&M on this com- in this conversation? Seriously. The team that's like, le- the only thing that they're it, leading is the number of kids in the transfer portal. I, seriously, <laughs> seriously, what are we worried so, about? I don't here? get that one. I don't get that no. one at all. But you know, look, USC is going to be good, but USC in twenty four is not going to have Caleb Williams, right? Oh, they'll get a transfer guy. Yeah, okay, fine. I, I'm pretty sure that transfer guy won't be as good as Caleb Williams because that guy just won the Heisman Trophy. Correct. So, but look, USC is going to be very good again next year. Notre Dame gets him at home, and Notre Dame was two just dumb turnovers away from being in that game, if not winning that game. You know what I mean? So at USC and Notre Dame just curb stopped Clemson this year. So why would I be, why would I think that Notre Dame <laughs> can't realistically go two and one against those teams? Right. You know, and, and they did that Vince while two of the three games were on the road. Well, next year's the exact opposite two of the three at home. So I guess I just don't, I, I, I think it's very realistic to think this team could be an 11 and one team. And if you catch some, to go undefeated, you need to catch some breaks. No doubt. In my opinion. You need to catch some breaks. And like Michigan this year, caught some breaks. What were their breaks? They played a really, really weak schedule. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. They got definitely got some breaks in the Illinois right. game. Yeah. Georgia had caught some breaks with some plays that went their way in Missouri yeah. and some other games. And their schedule wasn't as tough outside of a couple games. You know, but then there's other teams that, you know, Ohio State caught a break. What was their break? The fact that USC and Clemson choked away. I mean, otherwise yeah. Ohio State's not in the playoff, right? Correct. So you always need some help or some breaks and things. And sometimes the breaks aren't things you do. It's it's somebody else losing. You know, Alabama caught some breaks to win a title in 2012. What were the breaks they caught? Oregon and, U- and Kansas State both lost. Mm-hmm. If those teams don't, don't both lose, guess what? Notre Dame's playing one of those two teams for a championship in 2012. So there's some of that stuff. But yeah, I think eleven and one, based on what we know of the teams now, is certainly realistic. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of early because who's USC going to get in the portal? Who's Ohio State going to get in the portal? Who might they lose in the portal? All those teams who might Notre Dame right. lose in the portal? Who might right. Notre Dame gain in the portal? There's a lot to happen. A lot that has to happen now and then, man. Yeah. A ton. Absolutely. All right, here we go. John A one. Were you surprised we didn't see much of Josh Burnham in the bowl game? Is he just as far from the field as Gil Byron Ford? Josh had surgery on his wrist uh, after the season and before the bowl game. Yeah. So he didn't get as much prep time as you as would have hoped. 
But I will tell you this. The Notre Dame coaching staff is incredibly high on Josh Burnham. There's a reason, and it's the reasons are Josh Burnham and Aiden, and Aiden Gobira. Those are the reasons that Notre Dame has, did not really go hard after any portal guys. I mean, not portal guys, um, high school kids at Viper. Saying, you know, after you lost Keon, why didn't you go out? You go after Keon because Keon's the best player in high school football. That's right. why you go after Keon. 100%. I don't care if you were loaded at Viper. None of them are as good as Keon. Doesn't matter. But after that, it's kind of like, and we always said that Keon could eventually also grow into a big end in the right defense, not the way they do it now. But if you you know have right. more of a true four down defense where both ends rush, but the reason they there's two reasons they didn't go after more Vipers in the in high school. One is it wasn't a great Viper class. Number two is because there's a lot of confidence that they've got kids on campus already that can play that position at a high level. Josh Burnham is one of those guys. We've even heard from recruits that coaches to sell them on Josh Burnham and how good they think he's going to be. So uh, I've heard great things about him. But the reason he didn't play primarily was Vince was just the the injury. Right, and that's what I had heard. In the time he missed. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Irish-blooded, uh, do you think there's too much noise for the linebacker group that held them back between the head coach being an excellent LB coach and the current DC being an LB coach and then having an assistant coach referring to James Arnitis? It's a good question, Vince. Too much noise? Meaning no. like there's too many voices. Oh, I, think is what he I means see. Okay, that. I got you. Maybe. I mean, that that's definitely a theory without being there on a day-to-day basis. I mean, Because didn't we always talk about that with quarterbacks? Yeah, Vince, yeah we talk about that all the time. So, I mean, that's absolutely a theory, one that I have no problem subscribing to based on the outcome of what we saw on the field. Because going into it, you're like, man, they're going to have linebackers are going to be on point because of the three voices that were going to be in the room. There's a fine line there, though. And could there have been too many? Absolutely. And you've got two of the three guys that are those voices have haven't either haven't ever or haven't recently coached in college football. Playing linebacker in college is a lot different than playing linebacker in the NFL. It just is. And so could there have been just a little bit too much? Yeah, that's absolutely a possibility. No doubt about it. This comment right here from Charles Drury. <laughs> Tweeting right now. Driscoll says, Notre Dame's going 12-0 and and winning every game by 50. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> all of, all of. Well played, Charles. Very well played. Very well played. Uh, Nate, this was funny. He put this comment up. Nathan Lytle, this is during the show he put up. I was late to the party, so I'm catching up <laughs> at it with two times speed. And let me tell you what uh, what I now know, I, what I now know what Brian and Vince would sound like after uh, a Mountain Dew bender. <laughs> not wrong. Just go. <laughs> not wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Oh, I don't know if I'd want to hear us at two times the yeah, speed. That could no, be bad. Not at all. Uh, Ant VR says, uh, let's say things play out and Sam Hartman starts in 23. What's the likely outcome for 24 if Buckner stays? Does Minchie sit the bench as a sophomore? Uh, with that trajectory, Carr may not play until 2027. Well, there's a lot of leaps there, I think. I, yeah. I I like the premise. So let's work with the premise of Sam Hartman comes and starts in 2023 and Tyler Buckner stays, which I hope he does and think that he will. Yep. I think Tyler Buckner should start a quarterback in 2024 unless he yep. gets injured. Agreed. And then you kind of look at it and, you know, it, does he come back for a fifth year and start a second year? Probably. But now you kind of get into where now you go into 2026 – and it's C.J. Carr and Kenny Menchie battling it out. I don't think it's a given that Kenny Menchie is going to beat out C.J. Carr, first of all. Right. So 
you know, it could be Kenny Minchie that's never the starter at Notre Dame. That could be it. That happens, right? Joe Burrow got beat out at Ohio State. People say, well, I mean, we'll kind of mistake that. Well, no, because at that time, Dwayne Haskins was the better player at that time, right? Joe Burrow eventually got his chance, but at that time, 2018, who was the better player, Vince? It was Dwayne Haskins. Right. Who wasn't exactly a bum. I mean, the guy's a first-round draft pick and, like, broke every single Ohio State passing record that one year as a starter, <laughs> you know what I mean? So – it happens, and that's where you want to be, right? You want to be in a battle where a kid like Kenny Minchie may not start. But I think if in an ideal world, you know, for me, Buckner sits for a year, works on his mechanics, works on just more of the mental game, because what got him in trouble on against – it was still just some of the processing, you know, that, that needs to get sped up, but that comes from time. But the mechanics are still a hot mess. The overall mechanics are still a hot mess. You know, just kind of developing some of that. You sit, and then you got two years left to still start. I would hope that he would take both of those. Yeah, that would seem to me be a perfect world scenario. And then you let CJ Carr and Kenny Minchie battle it out in 2026. Yep, I I agree with you on that being the best case scenario. And I'll add to the fact that I would also like to see Tyler play a little bit next year as well. Whether oh yes, it's package whether it's whatever. Yes. I want him to play similar to all, what it was with Jack Cohn situation. Hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. And the first thing I would say is I'm sitting down with Sam Hartman. And if he wins that job, I'm saying, listen, Sam, here's the deal. Yeah. Anytime we get a lead on somebody, you're coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, we need to keep you healthy. But like Sam Hartman doesn't need to go to Notre Dame and put up monster numbers to attract the NFL. He needs to show that he can run an NFL offense. Correct. And he will. I mean, we've heard NFL coaches talk about one of the reasons they value Notre Dame players like what Sean McVay's talked about this with Kyron Williams is like they run an offense that's really similar to ours. <laughs> you know what I mean? The team that just won the Super Bowl, right? Which is a good and a bad thing, right? Yeah, I know, right? But the point is, is that if you go to Notre Dame and you thrive mm-hmm. as a quarterback, you're going to get drafted high. Look at Ian Book. Ian Book wasn't that good about college quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. He wasn't. He managed the offense. That's it. They're going to ask Sam Hartman to do a lot more than they ask Ian Book to do as a thrower. Absolutely. If he comes. No doubt. No doubt. And so, you know, you, you play three, three and a half quarters early, you know, look against Navy, give Tyler the last quarter and a half. You're up 35 to seven, let him play. You know, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about Tennessee state. Let's talk about central Michigan. Those first three games are games where you can get Tyler a lot of work. Yeah. You know, and then, and then you get into some games where it's like, you know, you're blowing a team out or, you know, Hey, is there a package? So do you still have Tyler doing what he did with Jack Cohn? Is there that running package? That's something that I think would be worth debating. Do you want him doing that, or do you want him really focusing on developing himself as a passer? I would say do both. Yeah, you know, let let him do that, and you know, be more willing to throw out of those packages. We're going to come out at certain times in the game. The danger, though, Vince, is do you if, do you lose momentum with your starter? Sure, I get that. Out? It's a fine. That's line. a fair question. It's a fine yeah. line, and I I am not generally in a, a proponent of two quarterback system. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm just generally not right. It can work if done correctly, you know, yeah. and, and we'll see. I mean, you've got two, you've got two differing styles at quarterback. And right. so it can potentially work, but you've got to be careful. Right. You do have to be careful. Yeah. Next question is, is, is John a one asks if Notre Dame lands Sam Hartman, how does that impact the Notre Dame run game? I think it helps it in, in a very similar fashion, the way that, that having Tyler Buckner helped it, it just is going to be different. And what I mean by that is number one, Notre Dame is not going to run that mesh. I can assure you of that. They're not going to run that mesh. And if they did, 
Sam Hartman wouldn't come here. No. Why, why do you think he's leaving Wake Forest? Yeah, exactly. Right? A place where he's thrown almost 80 touchdowns the last two years. It's not because yeah. he thinks he needs more exposure. He plays in the ACC. Right? The ACC just produced the number one quarterback in, to be picked in the draft a couple years ago. They and have a guy in Drake all May. The records. Right. They had a guy in Drake May that if he doesn't falter down the stretch, his team doesn't falter down the stretch, is going to be in New York. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I mean, there's no problem with exposure in the ACC for quarterbacks. None. Right. NC State just had Ryan Finley get picked in the first, you know, what, third round a couple years ago by the Bengals. There's no problem exposing the ACC for quarterbacks. The problem is this offense is not one that's conducive to developing me to be an NFL quarterback. Right. And one where I'm taking twice as many unnecessary hits as I otherwise would in a normal offense. He wants to run a different kind of offense. And, and that offense raises a lot of the questions that I had about Sam Hartman early on. Sure. When I would watch him, like that, I don't like that guy. Very low completion percentage relative to yes. what you'd think a guy like him would be. Never, he, right. High He's been in the 50s his whole career. I think this past year was his first year in the 60s. Like 62 or 63 right. this year. Yeah. And then, you know, that concern, when, when you're just looking at numbers, he was 63.1 this year. There you go. You, you look at you look at some of you know, the turnovers. He's thrown 26 interceptions the last two years. Yep. That's problematic for me. And then you break down the film. You're like, oh, I get it. It's the offense. They're asking him to make a ton of throws with dudes in his face. They're asking him to make a ton of throws at the line of scrimmage, like because they do that stupid slow mesh, which walks him down near the line, and then he's got to throw a corner out. Right. And you're shocked that he's not like pinpoint every single time. So what I had to do, Vince, because as you know, I was not on the Sam Hartman train nope. at first. He was not in my top five. You know this. And I told plenty of people this. And then I said, okay, but let me go look. He's a legit option now. Let me go look at the film. And then I had somebody that I trust told me, it was like basically like watch his third down film. Because when they go third down, they they don't do the mesh. They do more of a drop backs up. And then you start looking at that and you're like, you know, this kid shows great anticipation, great ball placement in those pure drop backs. He throws a great deep ball. When this kid is allowed to play in a system that is more conducive to being a drop back quarterback, he looks a lot more like a natural quarterback. Right. And you start saying like, okay, wow, how does that then translate to what Notre Dame does? And those are things you have to ask yourself. You're like, okay, yeah, I get it now. I understand it now. And you start to feel like the trans, the, it would translate a lot better. Now, how does that, what does that mean for Notre Dame's run game to the original question? Do you want to add anything to that, Vince, before I, I kind of circle nope. back to the question? I'm with you 100%. You're circling so far. back to the question is like, you know, look, Sam Hartman, as a more traditional quarterback, is going to have opportunities to help do more RPOs. Some of the stuff, like there's a lot of things that, that, that we saw Tyler Buckner do with the polls and stuff like that, Vince, is stuff that Sam Hartman will be able to do because of the offense he came from. The play action game will still be good, which then makes teams have to respect the run. You can't just dive your two safeties down hard because Notre Dame's guards blocking the A gap. Because if it's a play action pass, he can throw it over your head. He's surprisingly good deep ball thrower. I was very surprised by how good he is on the deep ball offense. He doesn't have a cannon, but his anticipation and timing and accuracy when he drops back and throws the vertical game. His back shoulder throws are really good. He's really good at that. That's yeah. one of his that's one of the things he does best, actually. Yeah. So so you look at those two things, Vince, and you're like, okay, you see those two things, those two things. That helps the pass, that helps the run game. And he's mobile. I mean, he can he can like some of the stuff that Tyler Buckner does, he's not gonna be able to do. 
but like the they're not the same athlete right but like the pulling the ball on the inside zone and then getting outside and running for 21 yards because the outside is un, is is secured and you've got pull he can do that right. you can do read zone stuff with him you're just not going to do it to the volume that you do with Tyler Buckner but what you should then do is you should then ramp up the amount of um, the other stuff you do right the RPOs ramp yep. up those type of things ramp up because let me let me let me give you a stat, Vince. About you want to know like why the completion percentage is a little bit lower uh, than it is for some other players. Is this year Sam Hartman threw? See his total number of throws. He threw four hundred thirty passes. This is according to Pro Football Focus, right? CJ Stroud threw three hundred ninety. So if you look at it in, over the course of the season, Sam Hartman in thirteen games attempted 215 passes beyond 10 yards. He threw 122 from the 10 to 19 range and 93 deep balls. C.J. Stroud this year in in 14 games. No, he also played 13 games, so he actually same number. He actually threw 116 passes beyond between the 19 compared to 122 for Sam Hartman, but he threw 93 deep balls, Sam Hartman did, compared to 61 for C.J. Stroud. Now, CJ's completion percentage was a little bit better, but I think we would all agree that uh, he was throwing a little bit better, a little bit better players <laughs> on that one. Uh, but that you kind of look at it and you say, that's a lot of deep balls. That's going to decrease your completion percentage. It, it just, it just is. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at where his completion percentage from 10 to 19, CJ Stroud completed 56% of his passes. Sam Hartman completed 58 59.8. If you look at throws from zero to nine, CJ Stroud completed 77.7% of his passes. Sam Hartman was at 77.3. If you look at uh, throws behind the line of scrimmage, Sam Hartman was at 93.8. CJ Stroud was at 92.0. So from 19 under, they were identical or Sam was slightly better on the 10 to 19 completion percentage. But then if you look at the overall season stats, Vince, Sam Hartman completed, what was it? 63.1% of his passes. Right? Isn't that yeah. what we said? Yeah. Yep. And CJ Stroud was sixty-six point three. Three whole. Per- Why? The higher volume and the higher of deep balls. That's what it really comes down to. So in the Notre Dame offense, I think that transitions really well because he's going to do a lot of the intermediate to, to short yeah. stuff. He's going to be really accurate with it. But then the deep stuff, which is which has been a problem for Notre Dame in the past, he's going to be a lot better at. That's going to take a lot of pressure off the run game. Being mm-hmm. able to hit the deep balls and look, even in the the game against South Carolina, once Tyler Buckner hit a couple of those over routes where the linebackers yep. coming up and he's throwing it right over their head. Once he hit a couple of those, you know, took the show to Williams to take those deep shots, even though they didn't hit him early, it's going to say, okay, we we got to play this team more straight up. And she so started to see in the safeties staying back a little bit more, and then all of a sudden that's when the run game has got room to go because now Logan can get up to the second level and make guys miss. Audrey can get up to the second level and get ahead of steam where now your safety has no chance if that cat if that kid has a, a, a head of steam going. And I think those are the things you look at, Vince, and say that's where, that's where Notre Dame can and needs to get better because mm-hmm. if you look at like Drew Pine, he was 51.1% completions this year on throws between 10 and 19. That's pretty low. As I said, CJ Stroud was at like 56, but Sam Sam Hartman was at at uh, 59.8 on those throws between uh between 10 and 19. That's a pretty big jump and that's an area where you need to be a lot better in my opinion 
to protect the run game. It's that it's that balls that go behind the the linebackers. Those are the balls yep. where you really need to start having some success this season. It's it's those throws. Mm-hmm. And if you can add more of a threat there, you know, like look, here's the deal. Sam Hartman this year threw 30 touchdown passes, 30 touchdown passes on balls that traveled more than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. 30. On just that zone, what was Notre Dame's touchdown mark this year as a team? It's 25. As a team, they threw 25 touchdowns. Sam Hartman threw 30 on balls that traveled more than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage alone. And that right there is going to take a lot of pressure off the run game, in yeah. my opinion. Yep. If he can translate what he did at Wake in those areas to Notre Dame, that's going to be the key, right, is is doing that. And the other thing he's going to have to do is limit the turnovers. That's going to be another part. But, again, if you look a lot of the turn, tip balls, get hit in the face because he's doing that mesh, taking them near line scrimmage, I hate that. I hate the mesh. Not as much <laughs> as the triple option. But I hate the mesh. I don't know. It's up there. I hate though. the mesh. It's up yeah, there I for do. me. I would. Ra- I hate the mesh more than the triple option. So yeah, way yeah. more. Yep. That long. Yep. God. John A one says, "Do you agree with the defensive holding penalty the way it is now? Offensive holding replay the down versus defensive holding automatic first down. I do like that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. What I are do your too. thoughts on that? No, I do too because the defensive holding." really disrupts what you're trying to do. I mean, it, way more so than than offensive holding. I mean, yes, it disrupts things. That's why they're both penalties. But the defensive holding is different because it's DBs usually, and it disrupts the timing of the offense and all of those different things, whereas offensive holding is usually, usually linemen. So it's a little bit different. And it's from the spot of the foul and all. So, yeah, I, I have right. no problem with it. Well, also, the, the defensive holding is usually in a situation where you've been beat. Yes. And you're if trying you didn't to not. do that, it would yeah. be a first down. I mean, yeah. the fact that it's only five yards, but it also has a first down. They called defensive holding in the game, I thought, and marched off at 10 yards, I thought. Really? I thought it was five. I, I thought so, too. But then they, I thought they did it. They might have just said the wrong thing. But yeah, I'm okay with it. You know, the only penalty that that here's two penalties that that to me the punishment is is silly. Number one is targeting being in an automatic ejection. I think that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. especially since they're so inconsistent with like how that USC hit on the two lane kid is not targeting. Well, he led with his face mask. You still bash that kid's head, right? Right. Well, but he led with his face. I'm not worried about the defensive player. I'm worried about the offensive player who just got a skull crushed by that hit. That should be targeting to me. I'm sorry. It should be targeting to me, uh, but whatever it is, what it is. So yeah. because it's so inconsistent, Vince, you need to get rid of the ejection part of it. Make it like a personal foul. If you get two yep. unsportsmanlike conducts, you're ejected. Make it like that. Yeah. The other one is offensive pass interference is way too strict of a penalty. So like to me, if you commit defensive pass interference at eight yards on the field, it's a spot foul. It's an eight yard foul. You're telling me that offensive pass interference is the same penalty as a personal foul. Like the 15 yards for that is, is gotta go Yeah, to me. That's a it, way too harsh of a penalty. For, I, for some reason, I thought the NFL was 10. Is that not true? I'm not, I don't watch the NFL. So I, I don't. I don't Maybe it's not. I just thought offensive pass interference was in 10 college. Yards. It's fifteen yards. Yeah, that's crazy. That's it. Should be it. Should be a. You know what they sh- they could do is they could make it something where like if it's kind of like the defensive pass, if it's within fifteen yards, 
it's a ten, it's a five yard penalty. Spot, okay. If it's beyond fifteen, well, because you can't spot penalty in offense because, but if it's it, it's a five yard penalty, right? I got you. If it's beyond fifteen yards, like you prevent an interception, right? That's a great offensive play, but it's still offensive pass interference. Then it's ten yards. I mean, you could do something like that, you know. But I just I think that's fifteen yards is, is way too harsh of a penalty. The reason it's fifteen yards in college for pass interference is because it was a 30-yard play that you interfered on, and so we're, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to get a maximum thing. Putting a team back 15 yards for an offensive pass interference is just ex- mm-hmm. very excessive to me. I don't know if you agree with that, Vince. No, I agree. All right, next question from Broke Neck Boy. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. Can you guys create the best football team of all time, in your opinion, with the best head coach, defensive coordinator, and OC with a certain type of offense and defense with players that fit your scheme. The Good best. Lord, that's a whole show. By itself. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 I told he, him to bring he's another one to back make a roster. Friday. Here, so <laughs> roster, I'm not going to get into, but I'll answer the first part. If okay. I could, like, all time, you know, who, who would I have? Okay, so I, again, all time for me is only guys that I've seen playing coach. That's it. That's just guys that I have seen player coach. My, my offensive coordinator for me is going to be Steve Spurrier. I, I just I always loved his offenses. It's gonna be I'm a big Steve Spurrier guy. So uh give me Steve Spurrier calling plays in his prime fence, and I'm a happy dude. Mm-hmm. I'm a very happy dude. Um defensive coordinator, Kirby Smart. I'll go Kirby Smart on that one. I could you got you got anybody else that you'd like to think about for that one, Vince? You're so much more dialed into what coaches do. Yeah. I, I I'm willing to take your opinion yeah. on this. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean and then Head coach, it's hard to not go at Nick Saban on that one. You know, I mean, he's done a he's done a great job there. I mean, guys won seven national championships, so it's hard for me not to yeah, not to go with him on that one. So there's a little bit of a modern bias here, but honestly, part of that is because when I was younger, like when Nebraska had those great defenses, I couldn't tell you who their defensive coordinator was. I was 15, 16 years old. Right. I wasn't locked into that then. Right. Like man, whoever was running their defenses, maybe that's a guy. So I, I, I'm I'm going with a little bit of recency bias because it wasn't until I was really an adult that I started studying who the coordinators were. And even now, I couldn't tell you who all the coordinators are on all the teams. I just know they're really good sure. on that side of the ball. So I'm going. That's where I'm going with a little bit on that one, Vince. Yeah, I like that. Coleman Smith asks, "Are all the senior linebackers expected to come back in 2023?" As of now, yeah, it's my it's my yep. understanding. It's my understanding. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Scott Yerbeck asks, 
with how well with how stocked the running back room will be next season, do you think Chris Tyree will get lost in the mix? And and could he be better for him to transfer, not wanting him to transfer? Look, I'm not going to speculate on whether guys will transfer if I think they should transfer. What I what I think is that if Chris Tyree comes back next year, and I hope he does, I would hope that the Notre Dame's coaching staff is going to do more to find a role for him. Yes, as a runner and receiver. Biggest regret. Yes. 21 and 20 no. personnel needs to be a much bigger part of your offense next yes. year. And Chris Tyree is in the game almost every time you're doing that. Yeah. 100%. Now, are there things that I would do with him as a receiver? Yes. Voice said that. Would I make him a full time receiver? No, I wouldn't. But do more where you're getting, and, and they've done that, you know, getting him screens, do a now screen to him in the bowl game, do things like that. Are there things like that that I would do with him? Yes, I would. Would I do that little tunnel screen where you're, you know, like, remember how Oklahoma State used to do that all the time where they would have their slot receivers and they'd have like a back out of the backfield and he would just kind of go downfield and just blast the linebacker and they would pass it and they'd bring a receiver over top underneath, I mean, and they kind of run like almost like a tunnel screen, but the offensive linemen were getting downfield. It was the receivers and the running back that were getting downfield blocking. I would do stuff like that with Chris Tyreek. Just drop that sucker right over the top yeah. and then just let him let him go. Stuff like that I would do. Now, technically, you're putting him at receiver, but he's not a receiver. He's not a receiver. ESPN thought he was a receiver. And listen to the broadcast. It's <sighs> ridiculous. Well, they're using him a lot more like a running back in this game. That's because he is. He is a running back. Shocker. Jaden Thomas plays tight end. and It's like, come on, guys. Did you guys do any prep for this game? Like, no, seriously? they just showed up. That's all they did. Oh, five Burkhart boys. It really is. Five Burkhart boys. Mailbag. Getting a portal guy like Anthony Lucas would be unbelievable. Uh, unbelievably helpful to show future Notre Dame fits. The hey, taking the easy way is not uh, for you. Look at these fellows who took easy way and regretted it. It would definitely send a big message. Obviously, for those who don't know, uh, Anthony Portal, who was Anthony Portal, Anthony Lucas, who was the top defensive lineman on the board for Notre Dame in 2023. And for a while there, it looked like Notre Dame had a really good chance to get him. He ends yeah. up kind of taking the other things of the, going recruiting and going to Texas A&M, and he's in the portal now. Yeah, it was regret. I I don't know that by the end, if Notre Dame was even number two by the end. I think he had kind of – it was like Miami and A&M. It's like he had kind of – he was a kid who early on was in, was like the the uh, academic aspect of it early on. But once he became a five-star and and had all his other schools, you know, telling him all the other things, his priorities shifted. Mm-hmm. And that happens with kids. You know, I had a parent of a big time player this year tell me, yeah, but my kid's a five star now. So that changes things. I'm like, it's like one of the worst answers I've ever heard from a parent, from a parent. And so um, it's just one of those things, Vince. So I don't know if this, what happened to him changes that. Or if you just say, I still want the same things, but I just, I'm going to do it somewhere other than A&M because this place is a dumpster fire. I don't know the answer to that. I do know this that Notre Dame would certainly have very high interest in him if he had interest in them. You're right. There's no question the Notre They're Dame They're going to reach the out. The question is, I mean, is the Anthony Lucas interest. And, and yeah. that's the part that would surprise me a little bit. Yeah. But if they could make it happen, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. And it would send a message like, you know, let's just say Keon Keeley's freshman year doesn't go as planned. Or let's say Keon Keeley has regret in May. Just come on like, back. Hey, man. Come on back. <laughs> you can get out of here. You can get out of here in a NLI, man. You can get out of that because, look, Anthony Lucas thought the grass is green on the other side too. Yeah. And, you know, but uh, I right now if I had to predict, I'd be a little surprised. I'd, ha- I'd be a little surprised by that. I would. We can all hope, though. 
Yep. Robert O'Day says, uh, could losing Michael Mayer benefit Tommy Reese? Uh, has to spall the, spread the ball around. I, I, I'm going to say something, Vince, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this or not. I think there's way too much emphasis on Tommy Reese being the reason Michael Mayer was controlled and it not being a quarterback issue. Because what I saw was several times where the play was designed to go somewhere else and the guy was open and the quarterback just locked in on Michael Correct. Mayer. I don't Correct. think that was a Tommy Reese thing. I think that was a quarterback thing. And, and to a degree, I understand it. That's the best tight end in college football. And I'm not sure what I'm seeing. So I'm just going to lock in on that dude. Plenty of times where we saw somebody else was the primary target. And yeah. the quarterback keyed in on him. So I don't think it was necessarily it a benefit. Not having Michael Mayer is never good for you as a coach. <laughs> right. It's Taking just your getting your quarterback. Right. Getting your good Right. Exactly. I'd rather have more 11 yes. personnel and Michael Mayer. Right. You know, it's just that's not what your team was this year. So, like, if you could have given me what the offense we saw on Saturday with Michael or on Friday with Michael Mayer at tight end, who's stopping that? Nobody. Nobody. It's just then, but also use Jaden Thomas on those routes more. Right. And, and like that's, that. and at times we did. That's, quarterback the, that's look the difference. Him. Now, I think it benefited. Tyler Buckner to not have Michael forced him. to a degree forced, forced him, him to do, to do that, other yeah. things. I get that. But again, I will take Michael Mayer on the field all day long, all day long. If you can't take your best player off and say it's good for the team, Agreed. it just, you know, it's just not, that's not good. Here's a question I've been back and forth on Vince. Uh, mm. Would you take CJ Williams as a transfer after, after him decommitting? Not blindly. I mean, not blindly. I there would have to be a conversation. I mean, very, very long conversation. Yeah, there would just have to be a conversation. So it wouldn't be a hey, I heard you're in the transfer portal. Come on back. Right. It would be hey, if you have any interest in Notre Dame, we need to have a discussion before we even entertain that as a possibility. And yeah. and that, you know, that's not being petty. That's just looking out for your locker room and the team and all of those things. Look, the kid's got talent. There's no doubt about it. You could use his talent. I'm not saying that, but the manner in which the decommitment happened is something that needs to be discussed. Yeah, that's what you're I'll talking say. about. You like, know more about it than I home and all that. Yeah, you know more about it than yeah. I do. But from my yeah. angle, there needs to be a discussion. For me personally, I would not recruit C.J. Williams to come to Notre Dame. I would, however, be open to bringing him in if he pursued us because it's kind of like okay you made it very clear staying out west was important to you staying in la was important to you you know so now i'm going to recruit you and bring you here but what if you're not playing for us a bunch next year are you going to get mad again and want to go back closer to home okay well you can't sit out a year after that because you can only do that one time thing but are you going to be happy i mean you made it very clear that you didn't want to be here and you want to stay closer to home you made that very clear last year right you know, you, we, we felt as a staff that, you know, you had gone and got the visit and everything went good and you said you wanted to be here and then you bailed. Okay, cool. It is what it is. But for me to want you back, I got to know that that you realize that you made the mistake, that you went for the glitz and the glamour and decided to sign with a coach who didn't even offer you a freaking scholarship when he was at Oklahoma, right? So shocker that he wasn't making you a priority at USC. Yeah. I really believe – and. And I, I know others have said this, and I really believe this. I think that he went after C.J. Williams 
to create the modern day pipeline and prevent Notre Dame from getting into modern day. That's why I think he went. I don't think he had any intention of ever building his offense around CJ Williams, but CJ fell for it. Well, that's on you, mm-hmm. right? That's on you. And that's on you and your family. You guys went, you guys fell for that. So that's cool. You want to transfer now? I need to, you need to pursue me. And if you pursue me, then I'll, then I'll be open to it. Yeah. And it's not about pettiness. It's about, right. I've got to know that we're not going to be left at the altar again. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say hypothetically that Peyton Bowen jumped in the portal after year one and wanted to come back. Hey, look, man, I'm not spending a second recruiting you. You Here's the steps. If you want to be at Notre Dame, here's the steps you need to do. It's up to you. I'm not going to come visit you. I'm not going to talk to you. We've already said everything we need to say. You know everything you need to know about Notre Dame. You want to be here, here's what you need to do. Yeah. Because I'm not getting left at the altar again. If you want to be here, great. Here's the paperwork. Sign it. But if not, I'm not wasting any time doing that again because you you do all this work and then all of a, let's say let's say hypothetically that that Notre Dame reaches out to CJ Williams, they like him and they hear some good things or doing all this kind of stuff. Right now, UCLA is not really ready to move on him yet. They're not really super interested, and Oregon's not really super interested in him just yet. And you go through all this process of you think you're going to get him, and then two days before he's about to sign. And the semester's about to start. UCLA calls. Hey, we missed on the kid we wanted. Right. Now, look, we love you. We want you. Oregon misses on two guys that they want. Hey, here's a little NIL offer. Come play at Nike. You know? Mm-hmm. What do you think he's going to do? I'm worried that right now, based on his history, that he's going to take that offer last second. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Peyton Bowen. Right? Now, if Keon Keeley jumped in the portal, a little different story. Hmm. Not because of the player he is, but because of why he – went to Alabama he realizes okay I think this is truly better for me it was a whole different deal he told me up front it says he was always straight it was, it was very honest it was very upfront very professional all that kind of stuff these other kids it's not the t- case Vince to me right. so you got to show me that you want to be here mm-hmm. right because we had well I need to know you guys want me we did that for a whole freaking year last year right what can we possibly tell you about Notre Dame that you didn't already know that we didn't sit there and tell you in your home when you told us you were still going to come. So you know. Do you want to be here or not? That's up to you. That's that's how I would handle it with kids like that. Yeah. The kids that were there, that decommitted, that maybe you didn't always feel were always as upfront as you wish they would be. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. And Because I don't want to set a precedent that if you make a decision and it doesn't work out for you, you can just come running back to us. We'll be, we'll be your sloppy seconds. Right, exactly. I don't want to set that precedent. Now, are there times that I'll be do that? Yes, there will be times, but not not for kids who who flipped last second. I just you're gonna have to show me a lot more, Vince. I, is that petty? I'm. I, I, maybe it's not it petty. Is, it's it's, it's protect. Like, it's protecting what you're building, yeah. in my opinion. You there's something to be said about guys who want to come to Notre Dame. And they sign on the dotted line. They are loyal throughout, right? There's something to be said for that group of guys. And you are building something at Notre Dame. You are trying to create a foundation for what you visualize as what Notre Dame is going to be as a head coach, right? Some of these guys, and CJ Williams falls in that category, just kind of ignored that, almost spit on it and turned the other direction with the way he handled it. And I like the fact that you brought up Keon Keeley because he handled it the correct way. Right. This was not handled the correct way. Peyton right. Bowen not handled the correct way. Like Anthony those- Lucas 
he didn't tell you he was coming and then change his mind. Right. Exactly. He, he you lost him. That's right. a different it's a different deal than a kid that was committed Absolutely. to you and flipped at the last second. So no, it's not petty in any way, shape, or form. You are protecting as a head coach, you are protecting what you are building, and you need to make sure that whoever you bring in is going to be a part of what you are building. And if they are going to be contrary to that, regardless to the talent on the field, regardless, right. you have to make sure that that is protected because that is your number one job as the head coach. Right. Right. And Tenday, Tenday says the same thing. Like you, you have, you have to let him reach out first. Now I think CJ's a good kid. I, I do. I think CJ's a good football player. I think that they've kind of out-recruited him in a couple positions with the guys they have, but I still think he's a good football player. So if he reached out to me and did the, the legwork to truly show me he wanted to be here, key. you're not going to take any other visits. You're not, you, you, if you want to be here, you're going to do it, and you're going to do it quickly. Right. No hemming and hawing. You want to be here. You know. You've visited here how many times? You know everything that there is to know. You either want to be here or you don't. Make a decision right now. You've reached out to us. Make a decision right now. I'd take him back. This isn't about whether I would or wouldn't take him back. I'd take Peyton Bowen back, but the circumstances would have to be different. Yep. It's not pursuing you anymore. You got to pursue us. That's, you know, again, it's it's not the same thing for every kid you didn't get. It's right. for those it's kids different. that committed to you, were committed for a long time, and flipped. This thing, C.J. Williams and Pey- was not committed as long as Peyton Bowen. He committed over the summer and then flipped right before signing day. It's a different deal. Same with if Devin Moore wanted to transfer Notre Dame. Same deal. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you know, I'm not playing this game again. We had you committed for for a, a while, and you flipped. It's a different deal than a kid that I just flat out lost. Correct. Very different. So some people may not agree with that, but for me. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And then CJ Henry asked, would CJ have a similar skill set to Jaden Greathouse, though? Yeah, very much so. But I think both of them have enough flexibility that they can play together. Yeah, you know CJ is more of a slot to me in this offense, slot X guy, uh, slot first. I think Jaden could could be that as well, but Jaden could also play outside. But yes, that's mm-hmm. another thing too. Jaden Greenhouse is a bigger, better version of CJ Williams, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. All right, so a few more events. We're getting close to the end of the road right. here. Ninety nine props became one. Uh, how much is D line recruiting impacted by Al Golden not helping out? My assumption compared to the offense where Tommy seems to be assisting on every recruit, the team approach seems to win out. Ninety nine props became one. Spent the entire chat like defending Al Washington's recruiting, <laughs> and, and I get it, man. I, I do. I'm not ripping you at all. But the reality is, sometimes you got to be able to say this just wasn't good enough. You look at D line recruiting. Somebody says, well, they had a top ten defensive line class. A. Brandon Vernon was already in the class when he got hired. Point number one. Number two, Armo Mukum was the guy that Chad Bowden went out and found, not Al Washington. Number three, when this staff got hired, um, everything good over there, Vince? Okay. When Al Washington got hired, they led for Devin Houston already. So it's just don't screw it up. Right. And then Bubakar Traore, you've got a Catholic school kid from Massachusetts who was committed to Boston College. I'm sorry. That's a really good pickup, but that's not like this – phenomenal recruiting battle that you won you know so like i just he's not the reason they had a top 10 defensive line class correct and that's he just had to hold it he just had to hold on to it you lost jason moore you say okay well there's nothing he could have done about keon keely maybe but there's definitely something you could have done about jason moore you got beat brain brain fisk the kid from western michigan 
That was part a big chunk of that was on Al Gold. From what I understand, the NIL offer he got Vince was not life changing. It was not even necessarily a big reason for it. It was a reason, but a lot of it had to do with if Notre Dame could have presented a similar football option for him and relationship with him from a coaching standpoint, he still probably picks Notre Dame, even with the NIL. So it's been loss after loss after loss. And could Al Gold does Al Gold need to be a better recruiter? Yes, hundred percent. Is he as good of a recruiter as Tom Reese? Not close. But you've also got Marcus Freeman there helping with some of that. Right. This is a D-line problem because you're not having the same problem at corner. You're not having that problem at linebacker. You're having that problem at on the defensive line. And to a degree, it's safety, if we're being honest. So I just, I mean, for me, Vince, it's like he's got to do a better job. And he's sure. not. he didn't have a great year coaching either. Right, and that's the other piece. That. That's the other piece of it too, for me. I mean, it's 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 more than just one aspect. If we're talking about Coach Washington, it's multiple aspects, and we've we've right. dove into all of them. So yeah, yeah. JP Buellsfeld says, "Why was a South Carolina fake punt formation that led to South Carolina touchdown illegal play?" Um, so he's talking about this. It was spread out. It's because it's swinging gate, baby. Mm-hmm. The thing is, JP, this is a very good question. It doesn't matter where you line up on the field. It just matters how many guys are or are not on the line of scrimmage. Correct. And then based on where they line up, depends on who is an eligible receiver or not. So I believe the guy that caught the ball, Vince, was not on the line of scrimmage or was outside. I believe he was not on line of scrimmage. He was in you the have to have slot. Yeah. You have to have six guys on the line of scrimmage. Right. There were six guys on the line of scrimmage. You can't. You can't run a route if there's someone outside of you on the ball correct so whoever's on the ball everyone inside of him that's also on the ball cannot run cannot be an eligible receiver so like if i line up in a three receiver set and this is what happened Notre Dame against um was it michigan in 2018 i believe they were in a trip set i have to go back and look miles boykin catches a touchdown pass but it comes back why because the tight end ran a route because Miles was on the line of scrimmage. He wasn't supposed to be on the line of scrimmage. So he covered up the tight end. So now the tight end is technically considered an offensive lineman. He right. can't release down the line, down the field and, and, and throw the ball. So that's kind of what happened. So in that situation, that was not a covered up receiver. And there were six guys on the line of scrimmage. So he was an eligible receiver. Right. And an eligible receiver. Right. Excuse me. So you can have JP because it's yeah. a fun, funky look alignment. It really and, was. And offensive coordinators will mess with you when it comes to on and off the line of scrimmage. So there, there was there. There's a team that we always played, uh, Mishawaka, and they were a triple option team, and they would put two. They would put twins outside, and they would have both of them on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It it was always a check and for it, our defense. Seven. Excuse me, it's seven. I said six. It's seven. Seven guys on the lines. Right. Me. So. The inside guy who's covered up by the outside guy is not an eligible receiver. Don't even cover him. Like we would say, not eligible. Don't even cover him. So, but that was a trick where if you were not a good defense and you didn't realize who was who, you waste a defensive player covering that guy. He can't even go out for a pass. It's a waste of your time. So you can have, you have to have a minimum of seven on the line of scrimmage. You can have 10 on the line of scrimmage if you want to, but you can't have more than four off the line of scrimmage right you have to have minimum seven on the line right but you can have right. as many as you want right but you have to have a minimum of only seven. two of those guys if you have 10 guys on the line of scrimmage only the two outside guys can run routes that's it 
Correct. Those are the only two yep. eligible receivers you have. Nobody else is eligible. Yep. And the quarterback. So, I mean, if they if the if the receiver like backs what, up and you throw him right. the ball back, but he's he not an eligible like receiver that. until that happens. Right. Until that exactly. happens. Right. Yep. All right. Next question from ninety nine pros became one mailbag. What if what if scenario if Notre Dame added Ed Orgeron as defensive coordinator and D line coach and promotes Laronitis <laughs> a linebacker coach? How would you grade the defensive staff? Not compared to current one, just in general. I'd be that'd be terrible, horrible. Like okay, let's say Ed Orgeron did not have some of the off the field concerns that he had, right? Uh, regarding his extracurricular activities during his time as head coach at, at LSU. Or let's say he found redemption for those, because I'm all about redemption, right? I still don't want him as a defensive coordinator. Has he ever even been a defensive coordinator? I don't, Ooh, I don't know that he's question. ever been a defensive coordinator. I know he's been a position coach, very good defensive line coach. And honestly, Vince, I'm looking at it now. Good uh, question. He, I don't know that he ever he has. He has never been a defensive coordinator his entire yeah. career. He's never been a defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach. Huh. Oh, he was a defensive coordinator for three years at USC. So okay. let's look at that real quick because I wonder if he was like co-defensive coordinator. Uh, so it says that he was defensive coordinator from 2011 to 2013. Um, those were not glory years for USC football. Let's just say that. They were terrible. Right? That's a, that's yeah. the that's the stretch after Pete Carroll. Yeah. They're not good. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah. Their defense was okay-ish, but they gave up over 20 points every time. So I would not want him as defensive coordinator. Now, if he found redemption as a human being, would I be interested in him as defensive line coach? Yes, I would. Sure. Because he's a darn good defensive line coach, and he's a heck of a recruiter. Right? He I mean, is a heck of a recruiter. You can't deny those. No, he's a heck deny of a those. recruiter. But, uh, yeah, it, it, that'd be a tough sell for me, Vince, just because of some of the baggage that comes with it. Like, look, you're still a, a religious institution, and I, and I realize that you you don't expect the football coaches to. I mean, this the swearing. I mean, we're not looking for saints, right? I get that, but there comes a point in line where, like, dude, I can't go there. Right. Like, like Bobby Petrino, and- he can find all the redemption he wants, and he's a great offensive mind. I'm not hiring him another name. I'm sorry, I'm right? Just, I can't. I just can't. I can't go there. You know, but he can go to Texas A&M. Yeah, I know, right? That's kind of why I brought him up, right? I know. But yeah. the, the other half of this is the Laurinaitis as linebacker coach. Not ready for that. He's never been a position coach. And regardless right. of what his position was this year, he wasn't a position coach. I don't know if I'm ready right. to make that call as your first job. I, I would. I would. And here's why. Because of who your head coach is. Like, he he's going to be there to kind of oversee to make sure it's going okay. You know, step in and help with that. Because I, I think if you know the game, you know the game to a degree. For me, it would be where I'd be concerned about him, Vince, is do you understand what's needed and re- required of you as a recruiter from yeah. a you know, volume standpoint? Sure. There's a lot that goes you know, into I, being a position yeah. coach. Right. And 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 I think you because of who and when I say because of who the head coach is, Vince, I'm not even just talking about Marcus Freeman as a linebacker's coach. I'm talking about someone who's very close friends with James Laronitis. As long as Coach Freeman understands, like, dude, you got to pull some of the slack early on to help get him where he needs to be. You Because to your point, Vince, I don't just turn him loose. Todd Light was a phenomenal cornerback in college and a gr- really good pro for a long time. 
and it, it took some time for him to become a coach. And even then it was like, did he really like it? Audrey Denson, their name's all-time leading rusher. Terrible coach. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. we're being honest. Oh, a mediocre coach, terrible recruiter, which made him a bad coach. If you can't recruit in college, then you, what's what value do you bring? You know, so there'd have to be a coach. You know, you need to t- pick up some of that slack until he gets his feet wet. That would be my thing. Yeah. Vince. But it, it's it's an exception to my normal rule, Vince. It's an exception yeah. because of the fact of the relationship he does have with Marcus and Coach Freeman's experience coaching that position. That would be my thing. So, but you'd have to have, but see, here's what, here's what wouldn't work. I wouldn't bring in Ed Orgeron as the defensive coordinator. So the no. whole premise, I don't even care about James Laurinaitis. And, <laughs> and so who's your defensive coordinator going to be? That would, that would make for, cause a lot of defensive coordinators are linebacker coaches. Uh, you True. know, so I just, um, I'm just not, uh, whew, I'm not sure how I feel about that one. I'm really not sure how I feel about that one. Um, yeah. That one really, um, <laughs> that's a tough one, man. Just because, because there's, there's attractive things about Ed Orgeron. Really good D line coach, really good recruiter. He would bring tremendous name recognition, right? Like, wow, you have a yeah. national championship winning guy on your staff coaching your D line. You know, I don't know if you lose Jason Moore at that point in time, but the off the field stuff, man, I just, I can't. He there'd have to be such a he'd have to show me so clearly that he realizes he made mistakes and his his you know there'd have to be something like that. It just that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Really tough one for me, Vince. I don't know what your thoughts are on that uh, on that part of the whole thing. I well, I mean, I I echo your thoughts, uh, and I'm all about second chances and redemption and all of those different things. I just don't know that he he'd be a great defensive coordinator. I mean, you you x that part out of it. The off the field stuff. Yeah. I just don't know that he'd be a good defensive coordinator as a defensive line coach. Yeah. That's my question. This is the D line coach. I mean, the D coordinator. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Not, nope. Right. Uh-uh. I would be fine with it, to be honest with you. I mean, yes, he's had off the field issues. He is Catholic. I mean, I guess there's that. Yeah. But um, I mean, in, in, in based on what, what he says he is. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you know that's what fair. he was getting involved in at LSU? You know, do you know some of the stuff no, he did at fair. Tennessee with Lane Ryan, with Lane Kiffin? You know what I mean? Like, this is not a good guy. You yeah. know, he's just not. Now, look, we all make mistakes. If he is realizing that he's not, that those things are inappropriate, sure. But yeah. I just, man, I just, uh, I, uh, it's a lot. I'd have to, it'd be tough, man. Uh, it'd be tough because, the, but then you're also torn because, man, it, it really, You'd bring in better players. <laughs> he can coach. You'd bring in better players. But at what cost, I guess, would be my thing, Vince. I just, oh, boy. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. That's a really tough one. So uh, that's going to that's gonna kind of do it for, uh, <laughs> nope, didn't say that. <laughs> didn't say that. Charles, he's going to be tweeting all kinds show. of stuff about yeah. you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Uh, give us a five-star review, pretty please, if you're listening via podcast, one of your podcast apps. Sign up for the CFB Nation channel on podcast apps as well. Also, if you could help us out by listening to our, or you know, kind of watching some of the videos on our CFB Nation channel, even some of the older ones, help us get that, those hours up to 4,000 watch hours. We would greatly appreciate it. Of course, check out the main site at irishbreakdown.com. Uh, Ryan Roberts is down in Texas right now. He's sending me videos that I can't wait to go watch. 
uh, from the afternoon practice. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Showed me a bunch of clips from Micah Bell today. Micah Bell had a really good practice. So Ryan's got a practice report of the first practice up now. He'll have some interviews up later. And then, of course, tonight he'll record his sort of recap of the practice. He has the recap up uh, from last night on Irish Breakdowns. I will put it into a story at irishbreakdown.com, but also – if you're a YouTube subscriber, you would have seen that on YouTube channel as well. So you can check those out. He'll be doing those every night, Vince, like at around, you know, but we'll probably have them around eight or nine o'clock every night, just depending on what time you can get them done. Uh, but uh, he'll have those just kind of recapping what he saw from practice. And he's going to have a lot to say about Micah Bell today because Micah Bell was a dude today in practice. Uh, Vince, I'll have to send you a couple of those clips uh, from him. Yeah, practice today, do. Ryan down there. So I'm going to check uh, that stuff out. Yeah, no doubt. So check all that out. And of course, Vince, Got to sign up for the message board at boards at boards And as Vince showed on the crawler, six o'clock tonight, IB Nation Sports Talk Show. Will you be on tonight, or is this going to be? This is your guys' mailbag tonight, right? Mailbag night, baby. So Vince is you could you're going to get two mailbags this week, man. That's just got to be loving life. So six o'clock tonight, Vince and Sean Styers will have the mailbag, and then tomorrow we'll be back to talk yep. more of Notre Dame football. Vince and I, one o'clock tomorrow on the IB. I, well, I was going to say IB Nation on the Irish Breakdown podcast.